Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Uh, so this morning, I talk to my wife usually and, and Jill and ask them, you know, who should, who should we ask to speak for Mother's Day? And... Um, I mean, one of the first people that comes to their mind is Becky Brooks. She spoke for us about four years ago on a Mother's Day, and she's kind of a regular in our MOPS ministry. I uh, found out this morning that she actually teaches a class called Navigating Motherhood, and, and motherhood is just her thing. It's what she loves. She has four children, two boys that are teenagers, 15 and 13, and then two girls that are nine and six. Uh, so she's got her hands full. And then Tony, he's actually a really great guy. He's got, she's got, she's married to a really great guy. So Tony, I've known a little bit longer, but, uh, we're just really glad to, to have them here this morning. She always has something. She's got a great personality and she's very humorous and loves God with all of her heart. And just talking to her, you can feel that. So Becky, we're very, very glad to have you. Uh, so come on up. Would you welcome her to... Thanks so much. Good morning, Hillside. Glad to be here on Mother's Day. This is a day, well, it's like any holiday. It comes with some expectations. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, thank you for the lone dad who was honest and said yes, which makes me wonder if he's hit the expectations yet. Um, my mom used to always tell us expectations are premeditated disappointments. So we have, uh, as, as a mom, you know, this is the one day where when your kids are arguing, you say, guys, it's Mother's Day. You know, you, you almost have the expectation that your family will transform for at least this 24-hour window. It would be so fantastic if everyone was kind and people picked up their laundry and people did their laundry. You know, there's the whole list of things. But here's the thing. Chances are you woke up today with the same family you went to bed with last night. And so here we are. We're celebrating Mother's Day and we're thankful to do it. I think in the past year, if I could say one of the ways that the Lord has been working on me, it's been him asking me to let go of writing my own story, especially in the area of my four children. Because you see, when they were born to me, I just all of a sudden started having these dreams and these plans. And it was, I mean, people tell you that, that childbirth hurts. Sure, everyone hears that. But here's the truth. Parenting hurts. There are parts of it that, is pain, that are painful. And, and our kids, that free will thing really messes me up. I think if they could just listen to what I'm saying, they would understand. The Lord knows best. And next is your mom. You know, it would, it would really help me out in that way. But the Lord has asked me time and time again, let me do this. 
Let me do this. And so this past year, I've been walking through surrendering the story that I have written for my family and trying to embrace that he is in process of writing an even better one. So when Pete said, called and said, hey, we want you to give, come on Mother's Day and give some encouragement to our moms, I immediately said, yes, because this is my heart. I want to be an encouragement to mothers, to parents everywhere. And here's the thing about Mother's Day. It's a day that unites us all. We all have a mother. We all come into this day with history. Now, I don't know your history, and I don't want to be naive and assume that everyone comes into this day with all chocolates and roses and warm feelings. One of the things that I know is we live in a fallen world, and so there are people that come into this day with hurt. We could talk for a long time about all the different reasons in that. But today... I want to remind you the word of encouragement. The true definition of that is to put courage in you. To put encouragement into another. And so as we talk about Mother's Day, praying you feel courage. Courage to embrace whatever story has already been written in your life and then courage to embrace the story that continues to be written. I am... I think in the, in the past year, Job 42.2, you don't hear many people who say, my parenting anthem is from Job, but here it is. Job 42.2, Job is talking to the Lord and he says, I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. Can I get an amen? I mean, isn't that comforting as a parent to hear nothing and no one can upset your plans? Because here's the thing. When Tony and I or finally get everyone into bed, I want to tell you that the days that we look at each other and high five and say, man, we are killing it as parents, are few. Are few. I mean, isn't it the truth that most of the time you get those kids to bed and you think, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, it's true. And so this Job 42.2 where he reminds us, I'm convinced God, you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. It's crazy that I want to write my kid's story, and then I can also admit that I could be one of the biggest obstacles that has been placed in their life. It could be that their great victory is overcoming this. But the Lord is using me, and nothing and no one can upset his plans. It's a comfort to me as a parent. I was thinking as I was preparing for this lesson about all the mothers of the Bible, and this list is not exhaustive. Please do not feel the need to Facebook message me. You forgot about? I know. So here's the thing. This is comforting me. Eve, despite sin, pain, and separation, the Lord's plan still unfolded. Still unfolded. I mean, he could have, it could have been a massive scratch right there at the beginning when the Lord says, oh, sorry, created the wrong girl. But it didn't. The Lord shows us even sin, even the enemy can't throw me off. My plan still goes on. And then next, Noah's wife. Oh, my word. 
the pets. I mean, she was the first one who said to her husband, this sounds crazy, but let's do it. And so next, Sarah, we see that the Lord works in her after a lifelong struggle with infertility. The Lord works in her even when she doubts his plan. Her doubts don't stop him. It keeps moving. And then Hagar, an abandoned single mother. And the Lord says, I see you, and I'm still working. It didn't throw him off. And then next, Leah and Rachel, the original competitive mothers. What a world has grown from that. But they were constantly trying to outdo each other. And then still, what happens? The Lord's plan still goes. Hannah wrestled through infertility but kept praying, hoping, and then honored her promise to God by giving her son back to him. Then I love the story of Jochebed, Moses' mom. She saw this fine child. She knew he was special. And then what does she do? The first adoption. She gives this child that she recognizes as a child of promise. She gives this baby up. And the Lord works. I'm always, and I, then I think about Pharaoh's mother. First, Jochebed. Whatever she poured into Moses in those first few years of her, his life made a difference that drew him back to God's purpose. I say that to you young moms. Listen to that. What you're doing makes a difference. And then Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses in. I think what always strikes me about this story is Moses killed a man when he was 40 and then fled into the desert for 40 years. So chances are Jochebed, who believed she had given birth to a child of promise, and then Pharaoh's daughter, who had invested everything into him, most likely both of them went to the grave thinking they had failed, thinking they had misheard the Lord. But then we see, we have the privilege of seeing their story, and we see their, his story still unfolds. Both of them were confirmed in what they believed. This was a great and mighty man. Take comfort in that, parents who are currently praying for a prodigal. The story keeps going, and the Lord is not stopped. And so then I, I think about Deborah. Deborah, who was the first woman judge in Judges, in the book of Judges. This means a lot to me as I think about those who, who don't have children. Because this day is for you as well. In, Deborah, in, in Judges 5, it says, When her people were in crisis, it says, Deborah arose a mother. Now, every commentary out there, are, I mean, every one of them says, it, it's, it's, it looks like, it appears that Deborah had no children. And yet, when the heartache escalated in the land, she arose a mother. The Lord's plan wasn't even stopped by her not having her own children. Then next, Samson's mom, Mercy, she followed the rules, honored the Lord, and still Raised kind of a jerk. And yet, the Lord's plan 
still goes on. Then I think about the widow of Zarephath that, that worked with Elijah. She trusted God as her provider. She was witness to the first resurrection when Elijah raised her son. Once again, a single mom who the Lord came in and revealed his glory. And then Bathsheba, regardless of the circumstances of her son's conception, Solomon eventually came to know that regardless of the circumstances of what brought her and David together, the Lord still worked, the wisest man who ever lived. Naomi, mother-in-law who blessed and who held on to a relationship with her daughter-in-law, even in the midst of incredible grief. And then Elizabeth, mother to John the Baptist, once again, a story of a woman who struggled with infertility and the Lord brings his glory through John the Baptist. And then we have Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who when the angel came and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She didn't say, that's insane, no. She said, be it unto me. Let this happen, Lord, as you have willed. And so we have all of these stories, and I wonder if you identify with any of them, because here's the thing. The same God that wrote those stories is currently writing yours. Doesn't it give you courage that nothing, nothing, nothing that is going on in your life right now has caught him by surprise? Nothing. He's with you. You have not been able to throw him off yet. Your struggles... The one that the enemy comes and says, this is too much. You've ruined it now. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Because the word testifies to the fact that the Lord can use anyone. So, here we are on Mother's Day. When I thought about what are some things that can put courage into your heart, I thought of three points that I want to make today. And here's the first one. Psalm 127.3. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Now, that's a verse that we all grab hold of. There isn't anyone who, when you say, do you believe your children are a gift, wouldn't say, yes, of course. Of course they are. However, sometimes we lose sight of that. I want to give you an illustration. Tony and I have four kids. They are now, wonderfully self-sufficient, a little bit. You know, we've hit this stage where we can say, hey, everyone needs to go shower. And, I mean, we don't necessarily check that they've actually showered, but they at least disappear for 15 minutes and come back in their pajamas. It works for us. And so we've hit this stage of where, where things, have, things are starting to feel a little bit easier and so what do you do when things start feeling easy? You buy a dog. And so for Christmas, we give our kids this dog. And they're so excited about him. He's a gift. He's awesome. He's all that everyone has ever wanted until it comes time to walk him. Take him out to go to the restroom. I mean, the list of things are, I mean, everyone acts like, well, we wanted the dog for the times we were sitting and he wanted to sit with us. 
You know, we didn't want the dog that jumps up and chews things. We wanted the dog that, I mean, truly, I told Tony for years, I would be so happy if we could just rent a dog for family pictures. I, I want to be a dog family, but I don't really want everything that comes with the dog. So, we have this dog that is quickly going to be my size, and he is awesome, but we have to constantly remind our kids, hey, can you take Ranger out? Oh, he's a gift. He's a gift. You know, and we say, hey, someone needs to get out there and clean up Ranger's business. Uh, he's a gift. And I want you to know that I think that's how we are. See, we appreciate gifts like a mug with a gift card in it. It doesn't require much of us. But if someone gives you an animal or a child, it's easy to lose perspective of you've been given a gift. And I want you to know, and hear me on this, everything that the Lord has intended to bless you with, the enemy is going to try to pollute everything. It's why you can get up and get going for work, and yet when it comes time to get everyone ready for church on Sunday, what is happening? What happened to you people? You dressed yourself yesterday. It's because church, this, this gathering of the body is a gift to you, and so there's going to be an obstacle every single week that you have to climb over to get here because the Lord intended it to bless you. It's the reason that marriage, you walked down the aisle so in, so confident, so sure of yourself. And then you're married and you recognize, I've been given this incredible gift. And then every once in a while you say, what is this? It's because the Lord intended to bless you. The Lord intended to bless you. So there's going to be all sorts of obstacles that you have to keep climbing over to recognize and take hold of the gift. And it's the same with our kids. And so I want to remind you today, enjoy the gift. Enjoy the gift. Slow down. One of the things that we've had to teach our dog is we don't want this massive dog leading us down the street. It takes the joy out of walking when your arm's coming out of your socket. And so one of the things that we're constantly working with on him is, Ranger, right here. And if he runs too far, we stop and wait till he stops. And then we set the pace again. You've been given a gift with your kids. And there might be a chance that you're running too fast right now. Stop. Slow down. Remember that you've been given this gift, and enjoy it. We have a note on the mirror in our bathroom that says, laugh with the kids. Don't forget to enjoy them. I know it's because of where we're at. We have this 15-year-old who'll turn 16 this summer, and already it's just going so fast. 
And when I think about the fact that in 15 years, I know how fast these 15 years have gone. In 15 years, he'll be 30, and I'll still be 29. I don't understand it. But it's going so fast. And so if you see me, if you were able to come and sit in our kitchen on mornings when we're getting ready for school and so-and-so just remembered that they left their athletic uniform in the, in the, in the washer and there's no way it's going to be dry and we're out of bread and we're out of this and all that, a lot of times if you could read my lips as I'm walking through that kitchen, you'd see me saying, this is a gift. This is a gift. Because here's what I know. I've lived long enough to know Someday that kitchen's going to get quiet. Someday Tony and I will enjoy a cup of coffee that's still hot in peace. And we're going to miss those gifts. So I don't want you to miss it. Slow down and enjoy it. And then next, Pete has been talking about the Holy Spirit these past couple weeks. I have told him how much this series has blessed me. Just to hear him talk and relate the relationship, the relationship with God, the gift that we've been given in the Spirit. And so here we are in Galatians 5. I know this is a verse that you've heard, that you've thought about, but listen to this. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so here's what I want you to remember. Your resources are unlimited in this area, in all of these things. When you see a mom or a dad out there that you really think, man, they have got it together. You have, if you are tapped in to Jesus, you, we're all starting from the same place. Your resources are unlimited. And so there's no more. When we claim this verse, when we claim Jesus, there's no more saying, well, I'm just an angry person. You know, that, that's just who I am. I've always been someone who loses my temper. You know, my kids just drive me crazy. So I blow up. It's what I do. That's gone. That's gone when you're tapped into the Lord. Your resources of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, all of it, it's unlimited. And I want you to know that when these things are revealed in you, revealed in your life, revealed in your parenting, the Lord is lifted up and glorified. In Isaiah 25.1, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done marvelous things, things planned long ago. Now, I think in that verse, when we think about marvelous things, when I say, hey, tell me what's marvelous that has happened in your life lately, we have a tendency to say, well, I don't, I mean, you're looking for big things like I got a raise, we got a new house, we got an awesome dog. I mean, I, I don't know, but marvelous, we have a tendency to think, well, I'm still waiting for that to happen. But I want you to know, the marvelous things that the Lord planned long ago are these fruits being revealed in your life. It's me having a conversation with one of my sons the other day where he was making choices that I didn't agree with. 
And I feel like if I shared them with you, you would all be on my side. And so he's making these choices, and I'm feeling this overwhelming urge to pinch him. Have you ever had that caught feeling? Perhaps when you were talking to a teenager. And all of a sudden I said, honey, you see these hands? This is the Spirit of God right here. This is self-control. There's something in me that wants to hurt you. And the Lord gave me these hands. And I could actually do it. I could hurt you. But I've been asking the Lord to help me. So right here, this, glory of God. You're seeing it. And that becomes one of the marvelous things because I know, Tony can testify, who I am by birth is a pincher. But the Lord's doing a new work in me, something he planned long ago. It's the same way that I used to be. I wasn't raised in a family that yelled. But all of a sudden, I have these four kids and... What is this? It appears to have come so naturally. I'm yelling, and I don't like it. And I don't want to be that. So I ask the Lord, God, change me. These are you. This is you revealing your glory in me. Do something, Lord. It's not saying that I've got it all together at all. But he's working And the marvelous things that the Lord planned long ago involves him coming in and changing who you are. All of a sudden, you're moving through parenting and you're starting to realize you're still the same and yet you're different. He's moving in you. And these things, it's not that you think, it's not that you don't still feel that same rising of, I could really yell right now. It's just that all of a sudden, there's a catch, and you don't. And instead, you say, hey, we're going to figure this out, and let's go. And so I want you to remember, your resources are unlimited. And then next, I need you to remember who stands with you. Now, in 1 Kings 19, we're going we're gonna get, to get to this in just a second, but I want to give you the backstory. Elijah has just experienced a huge victory. He has called, he's, he's gone up against the prophets of Baal in chapter 18. They have said, they have called on the name of Baal all day. They've cut themselves. They've done all sorts of craziness to try to get Baal to light the, author, light the altar, light the sacrifice on the altar. Baal never shows up. So Elijah comes in on the Mount of Carmel, and he says, Lord, he builds this altar, expecting God to work. He pours jug and jug after water on it, puts the sacrifice on it, and then he says, Lord, light the fire. And the Lord sends down flames that consume everything. It's the the original mountaintop experience right here. Elijah experiences the Lord, not just in a way that he feels, but in a way all the people experience. The people gather around and say, the God, God, he is Lord. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience that brings everyone together. And so they have this experience. 
Then Elijah starts praying. The people have been in a drought for about three years. And Elijah starts praying, and sure enough, he sees a cloud rising the size of a man's hand that all of a sudden covers the land in rain. He's a part of partnering with God to unfold God's plan, and great things happen. So you're thinking right now, this is incredible. He's just experienced the Lord in a new way. And then we move right here to 1 Kings 19. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart, tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. I want you to see this because Elijah has just experienced this incredible victory. Would you agree that parenting, I mean the birth of a child, oh, the glory of God is revealed in that. Every single time. And I don't know how your children came to be in your house, whether it was through fostering, whether it was through adoption, whether it was through birth. It doesn't matter. The glory of the Lord was revealed. You had a mountaintop experience, which is why it's always so crazy that in the rhythms of life, a mountaintop is so often followed by a quick descent. A quick descent. And I want you to know that Elijah, one of the sweetest things, what I'm wanting you to get from this story is first off, dads, take note. One of the ways the Lord blessed Elijah was to say, let's eat and let's rest. The journey is too much for you. Moms, can I get an amen? How sweet to hear the words, let's eat and let's rest. Now see, Elijah has been walking with the Lord through this whole thing. But all of a sudden, after he has this incredible victory, Jezebel sends word to him that says, I will kill you before the sun sets tomorrow. And all of a sudden, his mountaintop experience moves away from his mind, and he takes off running. Now, if you add up the miles that he traveled based on his time at Mount Carmel and then where he ends up, it says that in a course of about a month or two, Elijah covered, I think they said 300 miles. Now, keep in mind, there weren't cars back then. This is Elijah moving, feeling sad, running, running. And yet the Lord doesn't come to him and say, Elijah, what are you doing? You know you and I just experienced a victory. 
What are you thinking? He doesn't berate him. I want you to see that because I think sometimes we have a hard time identifying the voice of God versus the voice of the enemy in motherhood, in parenting in general. The Lord doesn't berate his children. He calls them back. And the Lord says in this verse, Elijah, rest, eat. The journey is too much. And I want you to know he says that same thing to you. There's no shame in resting. There's no shame in taking care of yourself. And then if you keep reading, which we don't have time for this morning, Elijah says, Lord, kill me. Take my life. It's just too much. And the Lord says, Elijah, come. I want you to experience me. And in the next few verses, you see the wind come, but the Lord isn't in the wind. You see an earthquake come, but the Lord isn't in the earthquake. You see a fire ravage through the land, but the Lord isn't in the fire. The Lord comes in the gentle whisper. And so today, as we wrap this up, I've thought a lot about you all in the past few weeks as I've been praying for this day, not knowing who would be here, but knowing that the Lord knew who was going to be here. I've been praying for every single one of you that you would experience today the gentle whisper of God. He doesn't come in the loud. He doesn't come in all of those ways that overwhelm. He comes when we sit when we listen, when we receive the gentle whisper. Based on Elijah's experience, I wrote a poem. I just want to close with this today, this morning. Before I start, moms, what you're doing is holy work. And the Lord is writing your story. He has a plan, and there are going to be days when you feel like others have thrown it off. There are going to be days when you feel like you have thrown it off. But you haven't. He's working. And sometimes you're going to need to step in to your closet and shut the door and have a holy experience with the Lord. I don't want you to think it takes 30 minutes or an hour. He comes quickly to his children. Listen for that gentle whisper. Here are his words for you. My precious daughter, my dearest child, I know the world is ar around you is wild. Come away, come draw near. I have a message that you need to hear. You're not alone and you'll never be. Jesus died to set you free from all your fears, your pains, your doubts. Cry to him. He will help you out. My promise to you is that good will win. Look up to me. Lift your chin. I've got a plan you don't know about. Don't feel like you have to figure it out. We will walk through this hand in hand. I will get you through this land. Who you are as a mom is a part of my story. Who you are 
reveals my glory. Whatever the cost, whatever the price, you are mine. You're my delight. Happy Mother's Day, Hillside. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.